The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the youth cast. With myself, Hussamuddin Ali, and my co-host, Mohsin Khalid. Now, this is our second show, and you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also, message us on 0779481822. Now, this show is pre-recorded. So, Mohsin Khalid, how was your week? Assalamu uh, yeah, the week's been good. How are you? Yeah, alhamdulillah, yes, it's been great. Yeah, so, yeah, I had college... And a lot of co- coursework to do, so it's been very hectic. And you finished college now, isn't it? So for you, it's a bit. Not really, man. But you finished exams. Um, I finished exam, but I still got coursework. You know. So how much coursework you got left to do? About three, four courseworks. Nice. I mean, I did. I think I did one coursework for GCSE, and yeah, it was long. But I mean, A-level coursework must be even worse. Yeah, it's long, it's very long, man. So what do you write about in terms of the coursework? Because I know you're doing IT and business, so what would you write about? Business, we, talk, we write about stuff got to do with marketing and with IT, you know, the internals and external hardware and stuff. You know, things are associated within the IT. So is it two separate courseworks? Yeah, it two separate courseworks. No, 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 it's two separate courseworks I have to do. One for IT, one for business. For IT, I've got... Three more courseworks left for this year. For business, I've got two more courseworks left. So do you have, uh, what sort of deadlines are there for those courseworks? We only get a week to do it. Yeah, like a week to one do One coursework, we get like a week to do. Then no, but it depends how, how long the coursework is. Like the coursework I'm doing now is going to be due just on, I think, on the 11th of February. And then, and then the next coursework after this, I'm talking about IT, that one's going to be due in a month's time. But... I'm trying to finish it, finish it now. So, so you'll be before, free. Yeah, before March, my aim is to finish all my courses so I can be free for. So in Ramadan, I could you know, relax, chill a bit. All right. So you get like one a week. Yeah, depends on how it is. As I said, so the course I'm doing now, if the the deadline is on the 11th of February, 11th that's, of Feb. that's about two weeks, two yeah two weeks from now. And the next coursework is the deadline is in a month's time. So how many courseworks did you do all together for your? For IT, we did six, six, six in first year, six in second year. So basically, twelve courseworks for IT. We did all. We're doing all together for the past for two years now, and business, we done four four courseworks because with business we had exams as well. So yeah, it was sixty percent. Coursework and forty percent exam for business. Well, for IT is it the same sixty percent? No, 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 no. With IT, we had twelve courseworks. It's hundred percent coursework. Hundred percent coursework. Hundred percent coursework. Oh, so I mean, so I suppose that that makes it a bit easier for you because you said, you know, we're too good with exams. Yeah, yeah. IT is way more. Yeah, for me, it's way more easier. With business, I struggled a bit because of the exam bits. When it comes to coursework, it's it's alright. It's kind of it's like, you could say light work. Light work, yeah. So our first topic for today is about plan B, I think it is, being scrapped. So face masks are no longer required. How do you feel about that? Uh, that that's a big relief, I would say, because wearing a face mask, in, especially in college, you know, it was, it's, been, it's been very hectic, man. Yeah, man, it's a pain in having to wear a face mask and barely breathe in it. Yeah, exactly. You can't breathe in it. And it's like... Um, I suppose it has negatives and positives because, you know, it does prevent COVID. In a yeah, way. yeah, it does. That's true. It does prevent COVID, but, you know... But it's starting to treat it more like the flu now. So an illness that will just sort of... It'll be a yeah. part of sort of the way we live. I would say a big negative uh, a big negative about a face mask is it itches me. <laughs> it itches. <laughs> My beard's itchy. What a beard, mate. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You've got, you've got, you've got signed there. Right, anyway, so yeah, plan B scrapped. Uh, I've got a summary of what it says here. As part of the lifting of plan B restrictions in England, it's no longer legally compulsory to wear face masks in indoor venues. So yeah, like you said, it's no longer, you're no longer legally required. Also, you still can if you want to. 
Boris Johnson said the measures were being lifted thanks to the vaccine rollout and the public response. Uh, but some retailers such as Sainsbury's, John Lewis, Waitrose and I think Tesco as well as all will continue to ask their customers in England to wear masks. So masks are not completely gone but there's no legal requirement to sort of wear one but in some sort of supermarkets you will have, might have to wear one. So yeah. And Covid passes are no longer needed to enter bars, restaurants and cinemas. So yeah. Yeah. We're chilling now. Yeah so at least when we go to the cinema we'd have to wear face masks. I know man. That's good. Covid restrictions on adult social care will be eased. There'll be no limit on the number of visitors allowed at care homes. And another thing as well, MPs are still waiting to see the findings of Sue Gray's report into lockdown parties. So talking about last week about lockdown parties and now some people are saying that the report which is to come out is taking too long and Boris Johnson says he's absolutely not delaying the publication of the report. So what do you think about that? Yeah, so... Yeah, about the party, I don't know, why is it taking so long? For the report to come, like, he's had a party, he broke the rules, so I think he should be dismissed. What do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, he should be dismissed. And, yeah, I don't know why it's taken so long, because the evidence is clear for everyone to see. So, yeah. So we're talking about more about how COVID restrictions are being lifted now. How do you think that's going to affect everything? In terms of, what, what, how do you think it's going to help you? It's, yeah, for me, it's going to help me a lot. So now... So going to college will be more easier. Don't have to worry about, oh, what am I missing? My face mask. Oh, yeah. Don't need to worry about that anymore. Because, you know, about the face mask issue, I remember going with my friend, I think it was a week, when you know, when holidays, uh, it was last week, yeah, it was last week, Friday. We went to college and my friend, he forgot his mask at home. You know, it happens by accident. And he said to the college, listen, uh... Uh, I left my uh, mask at home, so what should I do? They're like, you have to purchase a mask. A, no- a normal regular mask. And he's like, okay, how much? They said two quid. Two quid. <laughs> so two quid for a mask. Now that's that's a rip-off, man. And obviously he said he doesn't have the money. So they said that, well, you're gonna, well we can't let you inside the college at all. So what he had to do, he had to go all the way back home to get a mask. And he missed... Half an hour of his lesson already. Now that that's 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 not good, is it? You can see in terms of the college's perspective, though, because you have to in, enforce the rules. But I mean, now now all that stuff's gone. It'll be easier yeah. for everyone. So yeah. So you don't need to worry about if you have your you mask. Don't need to worry about if I leave my mask at home. Bring it with me. No, nah, but with Sword. me, I had mask in every single pocket. Get a mask in every single pocket. Every single pocket. I just I about remember to bring one, and you've got one in every single pocket. I had one in my bag, one in my left pocket, one in my right pocket. One in my jibba. You're masked up. Yeah, basically, yeah. You're going to pull out two, three on. Extra COVID protection. <laughs> Extra COVID protection, definitely. I used to bring one. It'd be in my right pocket. And then, yeah. I just remember in the morning to just grab it. Grab another mask before I'd leave. But sometimes I'd forget. Then when we're halfway on the way to college, I have to turn around. Oh, that's, and I'd that's just about pain. make it to listen. But that's good. Don't have to think about that now. So, yeah. Lots of other things as well. It's not just about face masks. COVID... What was it? Uh, coronavirus passes are no longer needed to enter bars, restaurants and cinemas. Obviously, that makes things a lot better. So, so the vac- in terms of the vaccine, obviously, still, still should get it, but it's not sort of necessary now. And yeah. uh, what's it called? In terms of testing as well. You know about testing in college? Oh, you talk- okay, okay. So, the testing in college. So, that, that happened the week, was it... It was after the holidays, right? Yeah, first. Oh, it was first day back after the holidays in January. Oh, that was that was the worst one. Came to college and I saw a whole long line coming from... It must have been, the, what, like a good half of the college there. Yeah, half of the college waiting in a line to do the test. Now, that, 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 was, that was just so bad. I was right at the back of the queue and I was like... It was obviously very cold as well. I forgot to bring my coat that day. And I was like, well, oh, I'm going to stand here. I'm becoming... Iceman or something after standing there for that long so so basically what I did was uh, basically I broke through the line <laughs> I walked all the way to the front come on half a salt man what the hell I'm breaking through the line and that. yeah the, you have to do what you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do man so I went all the way to the front of the line and I was like I just I stood there and when the person behind me was like what are you doing here but basically yeah when I went to the front I saw someone that I knew, 
So I just I stood next to him throughout the whole time. But luckily, I only missed uh, half an hour of my lesson. But still, that was half an hour wasted of my education time doing this um, COVID test. So what about you? What I, happened to you? I mean, I wouldn't have minded just, you know, doing it at home the day before, but no one really told me. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they didn't tell us. I didn't really know. So I went there in the morning and there was a big queue. And then I stood there. I was waiting there with my friend. We waited for ages and ages and ages and ages. Finally got into there. Then I test. And then we realised that we had to wait for half an hour to make sure that the result was valid. So yeah, the queue yeah. took ages. And as we were moving forward, there were more p- people joining the queue and the queue was just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I, was, I saw that. And then it was hectic. And then we walked into the sports hall. And there's, what, hundreds of people there all doing their tests. You do your test and then you go and you just stand at the back. And then obviously, thankfully, it was negative. But then, yeah, waiting there for half an hour was annoying. And then finally getting to my lesson, what, over an hour late. So I felt like it was a bit pointless. Yeah, yeah. that was a whole hour of your education time wasted as well. And that was my first lesson and then I had a four-hour break, so... (laughs) Four-hour break. um, Well, what time did you go to college that day? I think at an 8.30 store, so that was when what majority of the people came in college. So. Yeah, yeah, yes. Same, I was there at 8.30. So listeners, if you have any stories about school, colleges, or any other institution you guys go to, please share with us, because we would love to hear your experience about Corona and how you dealt with having face masks in schools or colleges. So I'm sure you're all very happy now, you don't have to wear that stuff again. Yeah, everyone should be happy about that. Alright, so, yeah, so Corona's been here for a long time now, since, I would say, since 2000 and, when was it? 2020, really, it increased, but I think December 2019 was when it was first sort of sport. Yeah, when we first heard about it, yeah. But, yeah, that year was, I was in year 11 that year, and yeah, we were preparing for GCSEs, we've done our mocks in... December, January time. So, yeah, so we, we were preparing for GCSEs, you know, revision, everything was happening. And then we heard in March that the teacher, well, I remember I was in uh, I was in a lesson, just sitting there, obviously stressed, and we've only got two more, two more months left to GCSEs, what am I going to do? So teacher comes in and says, you know, Boris Johnson has announced that it's going to be locked down. I just, I, I went crazy. I got up. I, <laughs> I got up, and I just, I just went crazy, man. I got so happy. I was like, if there's lockdown, there's no GCSEs. Because I remember the like the one hour before that, I was I was walking down the hallway, and the timetable was announced, and it was already. So it was on the. What, what do you call? What do you call those boards? Display board. Display board. Yeah, that's that's what we call it. It was already on the display board when our GCSEs. What's our first GCSE? I remember our first GCSE was, I think it was English. Yeah, it was our first uh, English GCSE literature that was going to be first. So I remember looking at that and feeling a bit depressed. That we have two more months left, and let's say we got our GCSEs. Two more months of pain. Basically, yeah, two more months of pain, revision, or you know, day and night. So, so yeah, we. I was sitting there. Teacher comes in, is locked down, got up, jumped up and down a bit, <laughs> then <laughs> had a little dance. Yes, Jesus. Literary dance and that, and then the te- the this I was in science class. It was that it was science class, yeah. And the teacher was like to me, "Everyone sit down. Like, don't worry, you're still gonna do GCSEs." But I knew deep down, uh, if lockdown happens, how are we gonna do our GCSEs? So yeah, went home. Teachers were still sending us a lot of revision packs to do for prepare for GCSEs. But it's already announced that there's not going to be GCSEs, but the teachers like to us, oh, you never know, it's still going to be GCSEs. But... That doesn't make any sense to me. Exactly. If the government's already announced that there's no GCSEs, how can... Yeah, how can the teachers try- say there's still going to be GCSEs? Yeah, they're just trying to get make us occupied, I would say, but I don't think anyone did the revision packs. How did you do the revision packs? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no use of doing them. So, yeah. yeah, so what, yeah. After, after March, you were just chilling at home? Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just chilling at home. I you know, just, I would say, I was, I was doing a bit. I was doing hives and that at home, basically working out more subic of hives and yeah. I think, suppose you could say that's a positive of the lockdown. Yeah, that was you, a good, big positive. It gave you, you know, longer time to do your hives. Yeah. And now you're and home, long, home. Yeah, and handling it. Yeah, and it gave me longer time to improve in my ultimate team of FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Another 
positive aspect. So when of did lockdown. you become a Hafiz anyway? Oh yeah, like I said, I became a Hafiz last year August. Last year August. Right? Yeah. So That's we, good. Yeah. So in so the first lockdown, I learned. I think it was five Jews. So I was slacking a bit. It was alright. Five Jews is good, man. Yeah. I would, no, not really. I wouldn't say that much because I slacked a lot. But yeah, last year, I I learned in. I started. I had twenty Jews left last year in June. Is it June, July? Yeah, I was based in summer holidays in June. I had I had two 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 months of holidays, so basically I had ten Jews left, and I basically whacked out those ten Jews in two months. What are ten Jews in two months? Yeah, basically ten Jews in two months. Ooh, <laughs> I I basically yeah. So how did how how would that work? So, so you'd go home. How how now how much would you memorize a day in terms of like timings? What times would you memorize? Now, because it was holidays, I had nothing else to do. Some holidays nothing. after when was this? This was yeah, it was in July actually. It was in July, so yeah, I had it was holidays. This July that's just gone. Yeah, the July that's gone. So you uh, just finished first year of college. Yeah, I just finished first year of college. Obviously, just waiting for my first year results to come out in August. So, in July, I used to wake up. So I used to pray for you to go back to sleep. Wake up about. Eight o'clock in the morning, and I used to read until you know. Then when Zohar used to kick in, I used to pray Zohar E and all of that. But I used to finish officially finish reading about ten eleven ten eleven o'clock at night. So I used to work I think a quarter of Jews in a day of Sabbat, and then on the last last day, I learned half a Jews in one day. Yeah, the last two days I learned one Jews. So basically, I, I, on the last day I woke up at seven o'clock. And I went to sleep at one one o'clock midnight. That's dedication, Jeez. man. What a whole juice in two days. That's mad. Yeah, if you want to do something, you, you know, you go for effort. effort. Yeah, a lot of effort. A lot of effort. It doesn't come like that. You have to be there, sitting there, just read, put dedication. If you want to do something, if you want to achieve something, you got to work hard for it. So now, in terms of going over that, how how long, how much time do you spend going over that sort so of now, stuff you've learned? So now, yeah, so now because of college now, last year of college, I'm going to, obviously I've got a lot of coursework to do, but I still get, I still make time to go to the mosque to read to my teacher. And I go there from five to seven, two hours every day, at least to read, you know, minimum half a juice or one a juice a day to my teacher. All right. So in terms of COVID lockdowns for me, it's sort of similar to you because obviously I don't have to do my GCSEs either. But uh, what's it called? In 2020, when the first lockdown hit, I was in year 10. So maybe slightly more worrying for me because you, you straight away, you know, as soon as your yeah. school finished, you were like, oh, there's no exams. For me, they were like, no, there's still going to be exams for you. You should go a year to prepare, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I remember just feeling a bit stressed out. I mean, in that first lockdown, uh, I, did, yeah. I did all the work, but the work they were giving us was sort of, it was a very good... It was just, here's a sheet, do it, here's a textbook, read this bit and answer these questions. It wasn't sort of a way that would sort of engage you. Explain in the you that. And a lot of people wouldn't even do it. It wasn't sort of structured to just be an email with, oh, here's the work for this week or something. Just do it. Yeah. And no, when, when you give it like that to, what, 15-year-old kids, no one's going to do it, are they? Let's yeah, it's true, true. Also, like, you're, you're probably one year, you're one year behind, isn't it? Yeah. For, you, just, you just finished year 10. Well, we were March year ten, so we did we did miss quite quite a bit. Yeah, you missed. And that's all yeah. when we came back. Year eleven started. Year eleven September, they were all like, "Oh, you're gonna have exams." It was just stress, stress, stress. Mock, mock exams, mock exams. But sort of, I mean, obviously, I was a bit worried as GCSEs. But that September to sort of December period, there were so many weeks where I just didn't go into school. You know, one person would get COVID, then another person would get COVID. Two weeks yeah. isolation here. Come back for a few days. Oh, someone else has got COVID in our class. Oh, another two weeks isolation. Oh, someone else has got COVID. Another two weeks isolation. And yeah. It's just, it just like that. Oh, someone in my family's got COVID. Another two weeks isolation. So it was just like that. Where I'd just be missing so many weeks of school because of stuff like that. And I was just, just getting more and more worried because I was missing important sort of lesson time because I'd already missed, what, a couple of months of year 10. Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks here and there of year 11, you know, it's an impact. And then I remember in, I think it was January, when Boris Johnson announced like the second major lockdown uh, last year, 2021 start. I think it was just as the new year hit. And uh, I remember him saying that uh, exams were cancelled as well. 
yeah. just like you are dancing up and down. <laughs> I was like, yes, bec- not not so much because of the exams, because I'm it's not just, too bad with exams. Just because I felt like I missed so much, I wouldn't do as well as I could have done. Yeah, it's too much stress. Yeah, yeah, but then in that in that sort of lockdown, yeah, they gave us a lot of work. We'd have to wake up eight eight forty five in the morning when our normal form time would be, have normal form time, then more normal lesson time. So it's like online, yeah. But it was more. It was more monitored though. It wasn't just oh, here's an email. Uh, here's there's some work here. Do the work. It was more sort of there's this task you need to complete by this time. Make sure you hand it in to me by eleven o'clock. And so they yeah. would explain it to you, right? Yeah, it was better. It was better. Yeah, that was better. Yeah. So yeah, that sort of really helped, especially in terms of subjects like English and science. Maybe science not so much because science I was doing a lot of revision just on my own, just sort of writing notes for papers and stuff. But English as well, writing our long essays. And obviously it was a pain when we actually had to do it, but it helped. And yeah. yeah. And then we did, when we did come back eventually, I think it was March time. Yeah. The lockdown was about two or three months. Came down in March, came back to school in March. And they were just like, yeah, you had a lot of time off. Here's exam timetable. There's <laughs> a whole bunch of exams you can have to do. Because obviously they had to give proof for the grades that they were going to give us. So yeah. Uh, it all worked out in the end. We did those exams. I think majority of them were in Ramadan. So, in and around the time, Ram- no, I think yeah, majority of them were in Ramadan time. So, that's 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 not very that's not very good. Is it? <laughs> it's not very helpful. But yeah, we did do. I think we did one or two in December just before we broke up for the holidays and then the whole sort of lockdown. Mm. But uh, that lockdown was it was quite stressful. But when we went back. You know, now that I think think back, year 11, when it went by so quick, I just remember coming in, there being a lockdown, then us coming back, exams, exams, exams. Yeah, there was a lot of lockdown in place then, in, your, yeah. in your year. It was, one, yeah. it was sort of weird. It didn't feel like we even went to school until the last bit where we were just doing exams and exams, but the exams went all right. There were a lot of them. Mm. I remember for maths, we sat so many papers, and the same for English, but... I suppose they had to get evidence and they did work out. Yeah. It did work out for the best. So how was your second lockdown? My second lockdown, yeah. I was in the first year of college. So, yeah. So throughout my whole life, I've been to Islamic school. So this is my first time going to, you know, a public school. Like back in when I was in high, high school, my secondary school, I had, in my year, there's only nine students. So going inside college where there's 20 students minimum in the class, it was like, Something new, like, oh, like... Something scary. Nine students in your whole year. Yeah, it was only, yeah, nine students in my whole year. And I would I'd say that was better, though. Because, you know, the teacher can focus, because, like, the teacher could, like, individually explain properly and stuff. But, yeah, first year of college came straight away. On the first day, the teacher was like, here's your coursework, explained it a bit, and that's it. So I was just looking at the coursework, like, what am I going to do, man? It's like... It's already a 3,000-word coursework already given on the first day. So, yeah, but handed I got through that. Yeah, there's lockdowns in place as well in January. Most of it was online. So, because it was online, it was, it, was very, it was very hectic for us because we only went to college like once or twice a week and the rest of the days we were just doing it all from home, like the online lessons. And it was like, you know, when there's those 8, 8.30 lessons and, you, you know, it's online, yeah. you get up and, like, you just, all you have to do is grab your laptop on it, go on Microsoft Teams to join the call and go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for for like for a long time. And it wasn't very good because I missed out on some of the like key points in that some of the lessons when they were explaining. So yeah, I fell behind so first year wasn't that good. But alhamdulillah I got through the first year. Got the grades I wanted to get. And yeah, second year now I'm in. So second year, obviously no lockdowns, all hundred percent go no hundred percent going into lessons, and yeah, so it's been great. What about you? How do you, how was your first year of college so far? My first year of college so far, yeah, it's been alright. It's been pretty good. Uh, obviously, it hasn't been sort of a walk in the park. It has been a bit hard, obviously, adjusting to sort of a new place. But that's sort of been alright. Mostly, it's just been adjusting to the new things they've been teaching us. But often the teachers, you know, they're pretty good. It is getting a bit harder now, so probably have to start revising a bit more than I'm right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's been alright so far. Well, you should, you, you should be used to it as well because you went to a, a state school. 
Yeah. So, Obviously, for you, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because you went to an Islamic school with one nine people in your whole yeah. school year, and I. In so the year. classroom sizes for me is the same. Obviously, still it's a new place. It's obviously going to be a bit different, but mm. and so the new, the new content we're learning before is GCSEs. The jump from yeah. GCSEs to A level is pretty pretty high, especially with subject like maths. So yeah. So so listeners, if you have anything you want to say to us, please text us on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. So now shortly we're going to go into a break, and after the break we will be talking about we'll be talking about Nusrat Ghani. And she believed that she was sacked from her position because of her being a Muslim. Now that is something we would need to discuss about. And also we'd be talking about cricket. What's going on in cricket? And what's going on in football? So join us after the break. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the youth cast. Now, previously, we were talking about what were we talking about? We were talking about just general sort of COVID restrictions being lifted and how that affected us before yeah okay so we were talking about oh yeah and experiences about the lockdown and and how it went for us and also we want to hear with you guys how how did lockdown go with you guys and obviously this show is pre-recorded but even if you guys text us on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two we'll definitely come back to you and read the messages yeah So our first topic for this section, well really we've split this second part into two segments. So one, we've got another topic we want to talk about which I think is interesting because, yeah, it's about uh, this member of parliament, Nusrat Ghani, saying that saying that her Muslimness was a factor playing in why she was sacked as a minister she was a trans. She was a transport minister, and in February twenty twenty, she was re- she was sacked due to a cabinet reshuffle. Reshuffle. She said that she was also told that her Muslim woman minister status was making colleagues feel uncomfortable, and that there were concerns that I wasn't loyal to the party as I didn't do enough to defend the party against Islamophobia allegations. So, what do you think about that? So it's pretty so, shocking that's come out. Obviously, hearing this is very saddening as a Muslim. Obviously, you know, knowing that as a Muslim, you know, she 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 getting sacked and she's saying that it's because of her status of being a Muslim. Now, uh, knowing because of Islamophobia now, like, it's very worrying and shocking that it's still going around, you know. It's been here for many years. And still going around, in the, even in the Conservative Party, you know, getting sacked because of being a Muslim now. That's very concerning. As it shows in an article where it says, On Monday morning, Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced a Cabinet Office inquiry into the matter and said he takes the matter extremely seriously. The Prime Minister told reporters, We take these allegations extremely seriously. I took them very serious." when they were raised with me 18 months ago. Very glad there's an investigation taking place. So, so what do you guys think about this Islamophobia? Have you guys ever faced Islamophobia? So, Mohsin, what's your view in all of this? Yeah, I think it's pretty shocking that this has come out. I mean, Boris Johnson's already had enough on his plate with all these party allegations, and now he's got this. Uh, this article says that she hoped uh, Baroness, whilst he welcomed the PM's announcement of an inquiry, and she hopes a culture change comes off the back of it. But really, I mean, in this sort of current modern climate that we live in, this shouldn't be really be acceptable. And that now they're having to sort of going an inquiry into it and all this. I mean, no one should be sacked from anything based on their religion, race, whatever. But yeah, 
It's pretty, pretty shocking. An allegation of Islamophobia at the heart of government is even more disturbing. Because this is at the heart of government. I mean, these are the people that run the country. And if this were being Islamophobic in a way, it is quite worrying for the rest of yeah. us. What do you think? So, like, so I heard that you said before that she, when she was around her cabin, was it, who were they? When you said before that when she was around her, were they colleagues? Yeah. Yeah, when she was around her colleagues, they felt uncomfortable. Like, well, why, why are you feeling uncomfortable? Like, like she's part. Like she's part of you guys. Like she's part of your crew. I would say, and like the only thing I would say that's different is that she's a different culture from you guys. And like probably there's a lot of people in in that field that's different culture. You know. And so also said that yeah. Sajid Javid is set to face questions over Nusrat Ghani's Muslimness sacking. Exactly, Sajid Javid. He he's a Muslim as well, isn't he? Uh, I'm not 100% sure about that. I don't think he so identifies himself as a Muslim. I think he, he doesn't have any faith, but I mean, from their backgrounds, they sort of relate to each other, and I feel that's pretty shocking that he's being brought into this investigation as well. Yeah. So that's another blow for Boris Johnson and for the Tory party in general, because, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty shocking. I mean... Sacking of Muslim MP could trigger equality's inquiry. I mean, I don't see why. I mean, like like you said before about why are they being, why do they feel uncomfortable around her? What's there to feel uncomfortable about? Yeah, it shows on another article where it says Nusrat Ghani's Tory Islamophobia claims are the tip of the iceberg. It's been in plain sight for years. So the latest failure to property deal with a complaint of anti-Muslim sentiments didn't occur in a vacuum. It is the result of years of complacency. Alright, so for those of us who have experienced Islamophobia and seen it in plain sight for years, the allegations of Nusrat Ghani MP in which she claims that she was sacked from a ministerial post because of her Muslim faith were not exactly shocking. What's shocking is that it's taken this long for many in the West Western bubble to wake up and realize just how bad of the Islamophobia in the Conservative Party are and have been for quite some time. Now this is what it shows in this article, as it shows that the Conser- Conservative Party are basically the, I would say, do you think they would be um, Islamophobic as these allegations because? You're you're taking out MP, and she's saying that it's because of her, uh, because of her faith uh, as being a Muslim, and you're taking her out for what reason? Like, like is she not an an effective minister or something? So Muslim, what do you think about all this? Yeah, this article it says a lot. It said, uh, "What's shocking is that it's taken this long." I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty true. That sort of relates to sort of what people are feeling right now. Why is it taking so long? For the for the government to sort of realize that this is wrong and that this needs to be picking up, and then you know just how bad perceptions of Islamophobia in the Conservative Party are. Obviously, there's been sort of other claims of sort of Islamophobia within the uh, Conservative Party, but they're not really picked up on. It's sort of something which is sort of ignored, and sort of maybe other examples of abuse are giving more given more attention. Islamophobia is sort of brushed under the carpet. So, Mohsen, did you have you ever faced any Islamophobia? I mean, not necessarily because... Uh, I suppose the town we live in is very sort of multicultural and diverse and you wouldn't really expect something like that to occur here. I mean, we live in Luton. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a good, big, large Muslim proportion here. The population of Muslims here, so I don't really feel uncomfortable about my faith necessarily. What about you? No, same here. I've never faced an Islamophobic thing, but yeah, I just said that this in, we're living in Luton, and you know, um, looking out around about where we live, we have Berry Park, which is a very multicultural place. So, and not only Berry Park, I would say, it's like a lot of places in Luton as well. Like we have a lot of places that are very multicultural. Like. So we have loads of different communities living together. So, Mohsin, 
Yeah, I feel the same. I don't, I, I don't feel like we're the best people to speak uh, necessarily about this topic. Obviously, we can give you our insight and what's been happening in the news. But I think from our own personal perspective, we've never really faced anything like this. Obviously, that's that's a good thing. You know, we live in such a multicultural and diverse town with loads of different communities living together. So we've never really faced any sort of discrimination towards us. But, I mean, some other people, maybe they might sort of relate to this topic more. Maybe some people who work in certain places live in certain areas where there's less of people from their own community or just necessarily they just feel like they're sort of marginalised and not treated with the same respect that other people are treated with. So basically, yeah. So not only does, uh, there's a lot of Islamophobic inside the parliament, but a lot of Islamophobic happens as well in football. Like if you heard, remember that time in the, was it the Champions League? When one, was it Demba Boy was? He, there was some racism going on in there. So yeah, and he's a Muslim as well. So... You've got all these cases of Islamophobia, but I mean, more sort of the more sort of towards the topic that we're talking about with this uh, uh, MP and minister who is sacked. I mean, obviously, Islamophobia has does exist. I mean, especially now it's come out, but I mean, it's taken a bit too long for it to be addressed. I mean, now the Conservative Party there've been sort of cases of Islamophobia. I mean, for years now, and now they're sort of saying now, oh, they're going to address it. They're going to address it. I think it's something we should be tackled straight away instead of you know, inquiries you know, a long time after that the actual incident has happened. So, yeah, that's our insights on that topic. But now move, more moving towards sports, mainly football and cricket. We've got our main football pundit, uh, Hussam. Hafiz Hussam is our main football yeah, yeah. guy. Anything about football? I mean, I know nothing about football. Don't watch it. I'd say mainly cricket is the thing that I can give my insight on. So, yeah, football. What's his name? Well, I'm not really sure right now, but I have heard about, in football, we have the AFCON, which is happening right now. And it shows that, you know, as you can see, Mohammed Salah is basically carrying Egypt to victory. That's what a lot of people are saying. But I'm not really sure about that, but... Mohamed Salah, yeah, he's a great player. And also, in a news article on BBC Sports, uh, it shows that, you know, Everton's manager got sacked. So now Everton are looking for a new manager. And it shows in this report that Frank Lampard remains in contention for the Everton job as owner. Farhad Moshiri holds off appointing the previously favoured Vita Pereira. Lampard has already held talks and further discussions are expecting, expected to an increasingly chaotic process. So yeah, so as you know that in Everton, they, they, they basically they sacked the manager. So now they're looking for alternative. And now moving on to the fixtures. And also it shows that Barcelona are in talks to sign the Wolves player, Adamo. So basically, as you, as you guys should know, the ones that like been watching football, that Adamo previously used to be in Barcelona. So it looks like he will be going back to Barcelona. That's all the football stuff I know. There's probably a lot more, but let's move to cricket. So Mossy. Yeah, we probably aren't the best people to talk about football. I mean, moving cricket, let's move to England cricket. I mean, they haven't been doing the best recently. They got thrashed in the ashes, let's say. I mean, I'm not really an England fan. I mean, obviously, I'll, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan. I do. Come on, man, you live in England. <laughs> yeah, I live in England, but I'm, I'd say I'm more of a Pakistan fan. I'd say, obviously, in the, when we were, they were playing the ashes, obviously, I was supporting them when they were playing the ashes. And it was sad to see them get absolutely thrashed in the way that they did. So, I mean... Well, not as bad as Pakistan versus India. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's testing. It's testing times for. For England, so I'm just trying to find when they played the first Ashes. Yeah, I've got it here now. And the first match of the Ashes, so they just come off. I mean, losing in the semi-final, the T Twenty World Cup moved on to Test cricket. So the first match of the Ashes, the first Test, the first innings, England made 147. 
And then Australia responded by making 425. So that just sort of it set the tone for what was going to happen for the rest of the Ashes. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty saddening. I mean, it was only the first test, so there was always the hope that that England could bounce back. I mean, Pat Cummins, obviously, he just is, he was just newly appointed as captain and he took five wickets in that first innings. Then Australia, brilliant by Travis Head and David Warner. I mean, they played brilliantly. I mean, England in the second innings, they did try five back. They made 297, but I mean, Australia just needed the 20 to take that test. So, I mean, it's pretty... But looking at the perspective, like, you know, Australia recently won, what was it, the... T20 World Cup. Yeah, T20 World Cup. So, they are a very strong team. They're a very strong team, but then you've got to think about it. This is a different format of the game, so you'd hope that England would sort of show some resistance, but... I mean, now that we've been seeing, Australia is a very, very strong team. They're incredibly strong. They've got new players. They've got veterans, you know, Steve Smith, Labashain. He's such a brilliant player. In terms of batting, they've got plenty of batting. And then Usman Khawaja also made his comeback. He batted brilliantly. And really, there wasn't sort of any fight from the England's perspective. The bowlers were trying their best. But, I mean, obviously, missing lengths. They were getting punished by the batsmen. And then in terms of uh, batting themselves... The top order, sort of... I mean, for the whole Ashes series, they sort of failed for England. So what do you think about England's buying and bowling? So, regarding England, as I said, you know, Australia won their T... was it T20 Cup? So, they're a very strong team. And I, I, I definitely knew, you know, Australia had the biggest advantage there because of, of their players and the way they play... You know, as a team, they're very good playing as a team, you know. And with England, they were, I think, I saw that they were lacking a bit when they came to... I mean, especially in the, in the third test. The third test was probably the biggest blow to England. They made 185 in the first innings, which was pretty, I mean, on par with what they were making throughout the whole series. But then when it came to Australia's first innings, they probably didn't do as well as they could have done. They got 267 all out. So maybe there was some hope for England. Maybe we get a big second innings total. Then give Australia maybe a bit of a harder time to catch that back. And then maybe they could have been in the series again from being 2-0 down with uh, three matches still left. But then in that England second innings, they all bowled out for 68, which was pretty pretty embarrassing. I mean, yeah, Joe Root is I mean, facing a lot of criticism because he is... The captain, I mean, he did win Test Cricketer of the Year, but I mean, it hasn't been the best for him as, you know, especially in this last series. He's trying his best to rebuild after all this sort of criticism. I mean, England's second innings was, but when it comes second to innings, it was just really bad. I mean, the whole top order seven five zero. I mean, Joe Root made some runs, twenty eight, the biggest contribution, but the rest, I mean. They have a lot of batting as well. They have a lot of batting. But it's just they just couldn't perform. And Scott, Scotty Boland, I mean, the new bowler, taking six wickets for seven runs in four overs. I mean, he's just come fresh onto the scene and he's bowling like that. I mean, he's giving England a real hard time. Yeah. So moving away from England cricket, I mean, that's sort of a very a negative thing to talk about. How about Pakistan cricket? What we're really interested in. Yeah, so, like... Like we said, like we mainly support Pakistan, right? So when it comes to cricket, Pakistan is always at the top for us. So mostly, what's happening about Pakistan? I mean, they've been they've had some blows in terms of cricket because New Zealand pulled out of the tour just before the T Twenty World Cup, and England also announced that they were going to pull out of them coming to Pakistan to tour. But I mean, in the T Twenty World Cup, they certainly. So they played really well, yes, really well. it was the best match I ever watched was India vs Pakistan. India vs Pakistan was just, it was just a showcase of what Pakistan can do. Bowling and batting wise, I mean, Shaheen Afridi in that first over. That was just, that was just amazing. That, was, that, was, that was great, man. I mean, the funny thing was that uh, the, these Indian players were like, oh, we're going to show these young Pakistan bowlers how to play and how to bowl. And then what does he do? He comes on his young left-arm bowler and just smokes them. Yeah. And also, even after that in the World Cup, they were playing really good. 
bowling, batting, everything, all the over as well, and Barber, you know, the partnership against India was something that, you know, we've never seen before. Yeah. Now, as Pakistan cricket fans are usually used to being disappointed, but they didn't disappoint us this time. Yeah, there were fireworks and everything in Berry Park when they won. I mean, for one match, that's a bit over the top, but, I mean, it's a celebration. I mean, in terms of other cricket, today, in fact, well, the day that we're recording this is when the day that the PSL is starting, so obviously we're not sure about how the tournament is Pakistan Super League. The Pakistan Super League is always fun, seeing all the Pakistan players, instead of playing with each other, they're playing against each other, and there's been some, new, there's been some changes to the tournament this year. Shaheen Charfridi is now being appointed as captain of Lahore. So, I mean, that's a big achievement for him. I mean, he was also just, I mean, not too long ago, what, maybe a week ago, I think it was, he's announced as ICC Cricketer of the Year. Wow. That's a big achievement for his age. Very big. I mean, he shows what he can do against India and against, I mean, a lot of other teams as well. In those first overs, when you give him the new ball, I mean, he's almost unplayable as a batsman. And also Rizwan and Bob also being awarded Rizwan being awarded T20 Batsman of the Year because of him being the first batsman ever to make more than 2,000 runs in a calendar year of cricket. I mean, Rizwan is just an amazing cricketer. Amazing, man. I mean, especially in the T20 format. I mean, before previous years, he was sort of used as a sort of reserve cricketer. Now he's sort of the forefront. Maybe even, I mean, he was even appointed as a vice-captain of the Test cricket team. And it just shows how far he's come as a player. I mean, as a T20 opener, he is just sort of a nightmare for every single team. With him and Barbara opening, it's just sort of the best opening partnership there is right now in cricket, I'd say. No, I would say, you know, Pakistan are in form right now. After they, 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 play, after they play the T20 World Cup, I could see there, you know, they have the chance of winning the next World Cup, hopefully. Mm. The next T20 World Cup is this year. Because of COVID reasons, there's two World Cups in two consecutive years. So hopefully Pakistan control. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't make it to the end in this World Cup. Unfortunately, they lost to Australia in the semi-final. A very huge disappointment right there, man. Uh, they played well in the tournament, though. Yeah. Also, in March, I believe it is, Australia is coming to tour Pakistan, which is not only a good thing as a Pakistan cricket fan, it's good for Pakistan cricket in general because you know they need these big teams touring their country. Because obviously in the past years, it has been difficult for for Pakistan cricket because of, you know, an incident that happened quite a few years ago. But some countries somehow still, they, they haven't been able, been able to forget that in terms of security reasons. But Pakistan, in terms of security, it's a very secure country. I mean, this latest sort of uh, thing that happened with New Zealand and with England, I felt that it was sort of, Baseless. I felt like it was unnecessary, especially as New Zealand were in the country and they were just about to play. And pulling out of the matches that late was sort of, you know, you could feel for the Pakistan fans and the Pakistan cricket team. So looking at how Pakistan is, you know, a very strong team, a very dominant team right now. Hopefully, this is it. This year, the the World Cup. Yeah, the end of this year. I end of this year. Play, yeah, we're gonna play Australia in March. So, yeah. Oh, Australia in March. That's the ones they lost to, right? In the same finals. So, yes. hopefully, this is not a disappointment. But they could be playing them in Pakistan, so... Yeah. So, it should be a good advantage right there. So, yeah, looking at that, hopefully, Pakistan, you know, beat, beats Australia. A bit of happiness there, a bit of relief there. And, obviously, I want to see that match again, Pakistan versus India. I would love to see that again, you know... I love I love another ten wicket win again. What do you? Also, you know, Pakistan's got a lot of talent, which is sort of undiscovered now. They've got a lot of young talent. Young it's just talents, about, yeah. I mean, it's probably the most talent that uh, any country has. It's just about sort of developing that talent and make sure that players get an equal opportunity of making it into the squad. How do you feel about that? I feel that yeah, these young talents can do something in cricket. You know, they could change the whole game and make Pakistan dominant. Like they were in the, remember when they won the 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 World Cup in nineteen was it nineteen ninety two? That's a long time ago, but yeah, yeah if you want to go on nineteen ninety two, like that, you know, they're gonna rebuild the way they were back in nineteen ninety two, and hopefully bring another cup home. It's coming home. <laughs> I mean, in terms of cricket, Pakistan, you see, you hear a lot of stories about how players have made it, especially you know one of Pakistan's main bowlers now, Horace Rove, how he was working, he was working jobs and then going for cricket trials. 
And luckily, he was, you know, he was brought to the attention of some selectors. And now look at him. He's one of Pakistan's main bowlers, taking wickets. He's got pace. He's got everything. Yeah. So, it's just so, so really, in terms of Pakistan cricket, it's just all about finding talent and developing it because there is a lot of talent in the country. Yeah, a lot of talents. I've seen, you know, when I used to go to Pakistan, I, when, uh, the last time I went to Pakistan was before Corona happened and I went to the village and there was, you know, our neighbours, there were kids that were like 10, 11 years old. Obviously, I know how to play cricket. I've been playing cricket, you know, with my dad and, you know, I used to play with my friends and stuff. But, yeah, when I went there, they were like to me, come, let's play cricket in the field. So I went with them and they outbowled me in the first shot. And then I was like, you know what, let's replay that again. Again, they outbowled me. So when he's talking about young talents, you know, not only should Pakistan just focus on, you know, people that are like, you know, in cities and stuff, you know, they should go around looking in villages because you never know, there's, there's kids that are like so rapid, you know. These kids in, not only in cities, but villages are just very, very, very good at cricket. What do you think about that, Mohsen? Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of talent in villages. I just think that needs to be brought to the attention of selectors Definitely, yeah. and scouts. And that would be a good thing for Pakistan cricket. So, yeah. So, that now it's drawing close to the end of our show. So, if you guys have anything you want to tell us, obviously this is a, this is a pre-recorded show, but we would still love to hear what you guys would uh, uh, want to say so you can listen to us on apple Podcasts and spotify or you can message us on whatsapp on oh triple seven nine four eight one eight two two yeah just message on that number that Osam said if you want to give you insight also use the youth car so we want your insight hopefully in the coming weeks we'll sort of have more of the youth participation in the show and yeah it'll be good so so that's all we have time for and inshallah we'll see you next time on the youth cast. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.